Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. This is Pamela McNamara sitting in with my husband of Lowly's many years. Mo, these many years. <laughs> so at this point in the program, we uh, like to let our listeners know what's coming up. So on McNamara on Money. Next Saturday, February 15th, the topic will be getting ready for the spring real estate market. Alyssa and Kirk will be joined by their guest, Sharon McNamara, owner, broker, and founder of Boston Connect Real Estate. The spring real estate market is right around the corner. Will you be selling or buying a house this year? Tune in to hear what Sharon, Alyssa, and Kirk have to say. And the following Saturday on February 23rd, the topic will be estate planning. How will your assets be preserved, managed, or distributed after your death? Attorney General, Ger- uh, excuse me. <laughs> no, he's not the Attorney General. I don't, I don't think so. But <laughs> Attorney Gerald T. Murphy will be Mike's special guest. And together they will explain the importance of estate planning. And now back to my very own financial advisor, Mike McNamara. The, I thought Justin was your no. financial advisor. Oh, thank you. I, my I've very moved own up in your, your order there. All right, good to know. <laughs> you should be on. Uh, folks, uh, this is... Uh, 
podcast number three. We're getting official here uh, of our show on asset allocation. And in this particular piece, uh, we're going to talk about the details. We kind of laid out the big picture in the first two of these podcasts. We're going to kind of get into some nitty-gritty stuff, but you know, my definition of nitty-gritty is something I can still explain in English and you don't have to get turned off about sort of a thing. But I have one question for you before we begin. So okay. Do you have any plans for the spring real estate market I don't know about? <laughs> or, uh, uh, may, may. I get, not make so it? far. Not so I, far. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> refined it. I'll let you know. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, but I think I'm all set in terms of real yeah, estate good, right good, now. Good, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> all right. So, so you're going to ask me the questions, right? I certainly am. Well, hey, let's get to it. And first of all, how do you choose a pie? Let's explain the pie first. All right. So, asset allocation, folks. If you just tuned in, you have a diversified, hopefully. You end up with a globally diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds and cash and other investments that is appropriate for your time frame and circumstances, and that's tolerable when it comes to a risk point of view, because nobody is ever comfortable with a risk. So I think I'll use the word tolerable. Yes. But anyway, yep. okay, the, 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 biggest, uh, the biggest decision regardless of who you talk to or how you come to the conclusion, the biggest decision is what is my macro mixture, the big mixture of stocks and bonds. Stocks and bonds are the primary ingredients in anybody's investment pie, okay? Uh, And stocks are more rewarding and, and will earn more money than bonds over the long run most of the time. How's that for qualification? Okay. Uh, but they're very exciting, okay, and can go up or down within great ranges, okay? Bonds traditionally pay, you know, are earn less than stocks and don't go up or down, you know, in huge movements like the stock market does. So, so the biggest determiner of what your level of excitement is going to be for sure, and probably your rate of return, is what mixture of stocks and bonds you have. If you have 100% stocks and zero bonds, and by the way, up until you're about 45 or so, I'd tell you that's what you should have, but that's a pretty exciting portfolio, and and hopefully you'll probably have a long enough time to do that. But mixture of stocks and bonds is the biggie in terms of what's the, the biggest choice there, okay? You know, if you're at a 401k, there's probably a questionnaire that'll kind of get you there, or there might be an advisor associated with that plan that'll kind of get you there. Uh, But the bottom line is the mixture of stocks and bonds will be the biggest determiner of what the heck you earn and how much excitement you have doing that. Okay. So when you're talking about a pie for people who just tuned in, usually these things are set up in a pie chart. This this amount of stocks, that amounts of bonds, very, very and things like that. With many very colorful, colorful pieces. Okay, yeah, so yeah. that's what you're talking yeah. about. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, what kind of asset classes, and maybe you should explain classes too. Oh, this could be a whole show all by itself. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start start off with the uh, comment that uh, there are some major asset classes. And from my opinion, they are stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, cash. 
Ooh, okay. Okay, so in my humble opinion, and I probably have a lot of agreement from advisors, certainly not 100%, those are the five major categories. Okay, um, so here's one of the problems with the investment world. The investment world has been evolving over time, and in my opinion, it's going in the right direction. But we're always trying to invent new things and new strategies and new stuff. And like anything else, 90% of them are not appropriate or silly or a waste of time, but 10% of them are, and those are the kinds of things that move this, this industry forward, okay? So <clears throat> because we love to invent new stuff, not, not we at McNamara, but okay. in the investment world, because it keeps people's interest, it gets them to maybe buy those things because we're, we we always trying to get the latest and greatest new thingy, just like anybody else, I guess. Yes. Okay, um, you know. So 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 let me give you some examples. Well, I'll give you I give you some old examples. Okay, I've been in this business low these many years since 1980, actually. Okay, uh, and way back when, okay, there were some companies that were sponsoring cable TV investments when cable TV was just coming online. Mm. And those people in those companies that were developing cable TV projects, they were making a point that cable TV should be an asset class in your portfolio. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, think about think, Yeah, Yeah, I understand. Okay. okay, that was then. By the way, right. uh, let me give you another right. then. A long time ago. Okay, you've seen the public storage, you know, facility. Yes. Oh, that was the rage. Well, pu- public storage was the first company many, many moons ago that built these storage yes. places where we put our stuff, and they were campaigning to have storage facilities as an asset. Class. Sure, because then people buy it, and if they, if they could talk to investment advisors about oh. having that in the portfolio, then you got to go buy it to put it in there, sort of thing. Okay. So, by the way. Um, today, okay, so, so here are some, and by the way, these aren't good or bad because the jury is still out, but, but, you know, here are the, uh, the popular or the, the in vogue, if I'm using the word correctly here, but so, uh, alternative investments, uh, long, short funds, arbitrage funds, event driven funds, Futures, smart beta funds. Okay, Ooh. we have you have stuff you wouldn't believe in the investment world. Okay, uh, and so, so it can get mighty confusing and/or mighty, you know, uh, you know, mighty large in terms of all that works. So, so we tend to favor five general asset classes, uh, and the research we use, we have a sprinkling of some of those things I mentioned. And as far as I'm concerned, the jury is still out on those. And only 10 or 15 years from now, will we be able to look back and say, yeah, that, that should have been there. And no, those shouldn't have bothered. It was just another fad we go through in the investment world okay. to, to kind of move along sort of a thing. So, so stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, cash, basic flavors in your portfolio. And depending on your dollars, Maybe you have some smaller pieces and some other newer things, but 
Yeah, pardon me, I'm an old dog. Uh, it's good to evolve, but you don't ever want to be on the bleeding edge of, uh, of anything. And I still think we're on the bleeding edge of a lot of things in the investment world. So, okay. Okay. So what kind of investment vehicles then should go into the pie? Ooh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't talked about vehicles. So no. this is a, a good time to do that. Okay. Um, so you should explain that first. We sure. talk about investment vehicles. And I'll start with a, a personal story. Uh, I broke into this business in 1980 as a stockbroker with Prudential Bates Securities. Okay. Oh. And uh, all we did is buy and sell stocks for people for three or four years till I got smart and did something okay. else. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I, I have a confession to make. I am a stock virgin. Uh, I have personally never owned an individual stock or bond. Congratulations. In my life. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And I don't think that the vast majority of folks listening to us should do that. They should own stocks or bonds individually. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Do we have a. Okay. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Kirk. I can hear. Hey, Kirk. What's Is going that on? Kirk. Hey. I didn't know that I was actually on the uh, thing. I was waiting for you guys to pick me up or whatever. Okay. All right. What's going on? Well, I was just, I was listening, and I, so first of all, I was just calling to say hello, because I haven't talked to you guys in a while. <laughs> it's so good to hear from you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was thinking about adding some hard assets, such as, like, baseball cards to my portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yes. Kirk, you could do it in your own portfolio, but not you no, say, never. Did you say that's high risk or low risk? <laughs> would, would you put automobiles in that category, too? <laughs> sure, yeah. Those are, yeah. Actually, okay, so I, I had a real question or a comment. Um, okay, cool. Go for it. All right, so, you know, just for fun, I was kind of playing along, and I was like, you know, I pulled up, like, my 401k, and I'm kind of looking at that, and... I was kind of looking back at, like, you know, the performance, you know, going backwards. And so my, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the performance only goes back two years. And and it's been negative, you know, for the past two years. At least that's what it says. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I understand how it works, and I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. But, you know, for people, you know, for people that are looking at their own stuff and maybe they're on their own or whatever, and if they see a bad number, you know, how, you know, how, how long, you know, can you give people some kind of time frames for how, how long, you know, do you give a plan time to work? And because sometimes that can be frustrating and, um, you know, people want to bail or they don't understand, you know, why it's doing what it's doing. And, you know, we talk about, you know, over the long run. Um, but what, you know, what, what are some durations or, you know, how, do, how can you kind of give perspective on how you get through those times when it's when it can be frustrating? Well, uh, you've probably heard me say that a million times, but what, what are your comments on that? What, what, what would you say? Well, it's, you know... Or what do you say? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you have to look at... You have to kind of... We always have to step back, I think. Um, I think when we show people, you know, our part of our job is kind of providing perspective and, you know, showing them, you know, if they're looking at... You know, if somebody's looking at one month... Or two months, you know. That's just that's just way too short of a time in the investment world. Um, you know, the, the various investments, the various markets, you know, they go through cycles, and sometimes the cycles can be can be very long. I mean, they could be it could be five years, it could be ten years, and you know, you just have to give them time 
to play out. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it, it really just requires patience. Um, and sometimes that's, that's easier said than done. Uh, but I think that's a big, a big part of it. Yeah, it, it's never the investments almost that are a problem. Well, let's put it this way. A small percentage of the time, the investments may be the problem. A large percentage of the time, the people are, are a problem. You know, if, you know there's, a, there's some history that says, let's see, down 18 months is an average bear market and up, you know, three years is an average bull market. Well, if you went with averages, you got to wait at least five, five or six years to try to get back to even sort of a thing. You know, if you, if you started at the top of a bull market, okay, an average one, okay, it took five years to get back to where you were from mm-hmm. a beginning point of view sort of a thing. So, so yeah, the, I think probably the, I, I, you'll probably agree with this, but the hardest thing we have to do is get people to drink that Kool-Aid about how long it takes to be an investor, okay, uh, to, to be okay. And we spend a whole bunch of time doing that. I mean, you know, you've, you've heard me long enough when we used to do meetings together a long time ago, but, you know, how, how long does it take to grow a company and the answer is years. And so if you're an investor and you own a bunch of growing companies, that's your time frame. Okay. Um, you know, the, 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 the good news about the allocation is that, you know, for most of our clients, stocks, is, stocks are, are you know, a percentage of their portfolio, but not all of it. So those, those bonds kind of cut down some of that excitement. But no, that, you know, that, that's why we get paid, Kirk, honestly, is, is to, to get people to stay in there and do the right thing. And lots of times doing the right thing is doing absolutely nothing and letting your plan work, although it's mighty tempting to go noodle around with that, right? Yeah, so I think, I, yeah, so I guess, I guess the point is, you know, asset allocation that you've been talking about is is obviously a you know a, a big step in somebody's investment plan. But I think another critical piece is just is just time, um, and 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 that's, sometimes that's just that's a that's the hard part. Um, that can be the hard part. It's well, just yeah. like giving it the time to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, th- th- thank you for that. And uh, by the way, sorry, we're, we're uh, going to the uh, Naples car show today, so I'll send you some Porsche. Yeah, oh, we'll, yeah. Be think- we'll be thinking of you. We, we, Kirk, in fact, if you want to we... fly down, we could pick up about <laughs> noontime. And uh... I have, yeah, I have an empty spot up here in the garage. So. <laughs> there's, there's bound to be a Porsche too sitting there, Kirk. Yeah, anything that's small and got two doors, I can fit. Okay. <laughs> hey, Kirk, thanks for the call, and say hello to my wife and granddaughter. My, my wife, my daughter and granddaughters, okay? Yes, okay. Talk to you later. Okay. All right, bye-bye. 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 <laughs> Folks, that was our favorite son-in-law, <laughs> and only son-in-law, yes. Kirk Reed. He doesn't, uh, no, he doesn't like it if we, if we yeah. put that piece on the end. Yeah. He, so he just is our favorite son in law. He knows we're kidding. We love him. He doesn't okay. like that. Anyway. So uh, I, I think he, you know, he brought up a really yeah. good point. Time yeah. is and has always oh. been yeah. the, the, the critical issue. Yeah. How long in, does it take to grow a company? In anything. Yeah. 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 Any okay. investment. All right. So anyway, so, okay, uh, do not, do not put individual stocks or bonds in your portfolio. Not enough diversification, way too much risk. You can buy a collection you can put a collection of stocks and bonds in there, and collections these days come in two flavors. Typical mutual funds. A mutual fund is a pool 
of investments, okay? And, and you know, there's a whole bunch of them, okay? Um, and then there are some mutual fund-like things that have popped up in the last 10 years called exchange-traded funds. For the vast majority of folks listening to us, the differences aren't worth talking about on a radio show, okay? Okay. End of story. So, so you want to own... You know, if you're going to uh, own stocks, I have a newsflash for you, folks. You buy lots of them to cut down the risk yes, of one absolutely. or two of them disappearing sort of a thing. Okay? Um, so the vehicles should be mutual funds and or exchange-traded funds. Okay. We got, we got, okay. We got to ask some fast questions here because we right. got some who's, questions to go. Whose funds or ETFs go into the micro pie? Okay, now you're down to a micro pie. So sure. that's the stock piece is yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, or the bond piece or whatever piece. Okay. Yeah, so, how, you know, so, you know, do I put Fidelity in there? Do I put Vanguard? Do I put Mass Financial Services? Do I put well, Temple Franklin? Well, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, there, there are, you know, you've got to select the you know now that you know the vehicles there's eight you know 85 different companies that make mutual funds how do you get started with that well um you know it's kind of tricky because it depends on whether there are sales charges involved or fees or no fees or whatever so so hopefully you have a mixture of investments from different fund companies. You want to stay away from having all investments in one company in your portfolio, all Fidelity funds or all Vanguard funds. Because I have a newsflash for you. No mutual fund group has the best of the best across the board. So, okay. so you know, just pay attention to who's in there, I guess. So okay. what else do we need to know about investment vehicles? Okay, and this is going to be a tricky one, but okay, active or passive, okay? So is your investment philosophy active or is it passive? Okay, um, most people's idea of a mutual fund, uh, I'll use uh, the Fidelity Contra Fund as an example. It's a stock fund. They buy stocks, okay? The Fidelity Contra Fund, okay, um, you know, you have managers there that buy and sell stocks that they think are good for the portfolio, okay? Uh, and, okay, that Fidelity Contra Fund is measured against some benchmark, and I think it's the standard in Poor's 500. So, okay, the idea behind an actively managed fund is that there are in the people running the fund making investment choices, okay, that they hope will do better than the index against which they compare themselves. So the, you want to outpoint or out-earn the index, okay? So if you're an active investor, you're trying to beat the index, okay? There's a whole other range of investments out there called passive investments where you just want to buy the market, okay? So the Vanguard folks have a fund called the Vanguard S&P 500 fund. It owns the 500 stocks that are in the Standard & Poor's 500 index, which is a proxy for the stock market, okay? If you put money in that fund, you own the whole stock market. Well, which is better? Well, mm, I like that. okay. What, well, what the the ideal thing is to own an active fund that always beats the, its benchmark, but that doesn't happen all right. the time. Most most folks or don't do that, and so we lean so towards passive investments. Just go buy the whole darn market, 
and don't get picky about what goes on inside there sort of a thing. We, we, we lean, yeah. that's all the rage these days, passive investments. We lean that way, okay, but we don't ex- do so exclusively. It's just not kind of how it works, okay? So, so folks, you kind of all have to understand, you know, are, are the investments active or passive? And by the way, cost is an issue in that discussion, okay? Uh, and and there are just a whole bunch of choices. So, you know, you know, t- talk to whoever's connected with your 401k plan or hopefully you have a financial advisor, okay? Okay. So how do you evaluate the investment vehicles in your asset allocation? Yeah, that's, that's, and how often do you yeah, do it? Yeah, by the way, that's above and beyond the, the uh, pay grade of most people who own investments. I'm, you know, if you have a passive fund, uh, you know, it's called the S&P 500. I guess it's easy enough to see how the S&P did and how you did and, and match them up. So if you okay. if you own passive investments, it's relatively easy. If you own active investments, you'll never know. I mean, how am I? Well, we're not outpointing the S&P this month or this year or this week or whatever. So it, it's the individual pieces in that investment pie. Most people should not pick them and not worry about that sort of a thing. And if they have questions, you ought to have an advisor be able to explain the good news and the bad news and the why. Okay? Okay. Yep. And is now the time to talk about rebalancing? Yes. And, of course, we have about three minutes left to do this, but we'll try this again. Okay. Why don't you go take care of that dog? By the way, folks, we're broadcasting (laughs) from our Fort Myers studio, and there's a dachshund outside the door here. That's being very Who's vocal. Who wants to be part of the program, apparently. Can you, would you do something with that dog before He's I He's saying invest more in puppy chow. You know, this, say is, that on the radio. This, is, this is a family show. What can I tell you? He's saying get more puppy chow. <laughs> uh, small town radio, folks. That's how it works. Anyway, so, yeah, let, let me finish up this section, and I'll probably run three or four minutes late in the break, Tim. Don't get nervous here, okay? So, folks. Okay, I, I, we did this uh, earlier, but if you're just tuning in, let's pretend your asset allocation is five different investment pieces, five basic classes. And let's pretend that one of those five basic classes is stocks, okay? So you got 20% in stocks, 20% in bonds, yada, yada, yada. Okay, okay, that is your asset allocation. That's your mixture of investments. That's your plan. If your plan calls for 20% in stocks, and, and that's a well thought out, this is appropriate for you. Remember, folks, that's your plan. You need to stick with it. So in the real world, if you start off with a $100,000 investment in those percentages, six months later, actually six days later, but six months later, if you take a peek at that portfolio, I can absolutely positively assure you that you have five pieces that aren't exactly equal to 20% in size, okay? Some of those pieces will do better and be bigger. Some of those pieces will be smaller because if you have a diversified portfolio, all your investments don't do the same thing at the same time. That's the deal. So you might have a 20% piece that's now 30% of your portfolio. And if I was to keep the math simple, you might have a 20% piece that's 10% of your portfolio. So let's assume in this example that three of your pieces stayed 20%, but one 21 to 30 and one 21 to 10. Well, if you look at your portfolio, it's out of balance. It's, it, ain't, it ain't what you bought. Well, boy, oh boy, that 20% piece that went to 30, that's screaming. I want to buy some more of that. 
And that 20% piece that went to 10, I want to sell that sucker. That's down. No, folks, because first of all, if you look at it, your plan is out of whack right now. You want to make it out even more out of whack and get away from the plan okay. because of what's going on the inside there, okay? So no, the, the, you do the exact opposite of what you're thinking you're doing. You say, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to have 20%. This piece is 30. I got to sell 10% of this to knock it back down to 20%. And I got to go put that 10% to someplace that needs it. And when I get through, I'm back to my plan. And that's how it works, folks. And... You've taken some profits from from the one that went up and bought your yeah. bought the ones that went down on sale. And you're doing that after the fact. You didn't predict that. You sure. reacted to that. So if you have so a diversified portfolio that's rebalanced, you take advantage of what markets give you. If you've got some piece screaming, okay, you trim it back. By the way, you may trim it back for the next two years and wonder why you keep trimming. Sooner or later, it's going to crash and burn, and you'll remember why you kept trimming given the circumstances. If you stick with the plan by rebalancing, there's a pretty good chance you're going to end up with a return that averages the five pieces of the pie that you have over the long run, plain and simple, and that's important. So I'll close with, well, how often do you rebalance? Well, we could spend 25 minutes on that as well, okay? Do it at least once a year in your 401k, folks. Your 401k may have the ability to automatically rebalance it. Don't do it any more than once per quarter, okay? Because all those pieces are going to want... I mean, you could rebalance every day, but that gets right. a little expensive. But once a quarter, point. does that... Sure. Is that the high side or uh, is that... It's probably on the high side. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah, what we, we do uh, what's called range rebalancing, okay? And this is not good or bad, it's just different, okay? You have a 20% piece, Okay, we might let it wander up to 25 before we do anything. We might oh, let sure. it wander down to 15. Because, so, so we kind of rebalance okay. portfolios when a piece gets a little too big for its britches or too small. But you know, it, as long as you rebalance in some way, shape, or form, you're probably going to be okay, folks. And that's probably a good thing to, to close okay. with. So folks, go going to take a break about now. Mm-hmm. 